Can you dance? I think so. Yeah. Yeah. I'm definitely not a gangsters don't dance in the club kind of guy. Like, but you know, I'll groove a little bit, but I'm, I just, I've never been, I rap. You know what he does? He flexes at Nobu. <laughs> there it is. That's, Honestly, that's my takeaway too from this. It's bro. like, see Lena, see Rosie here, sending you some drinks, paying for your meal. The lesbians at Nobu. That's where, <laughs> that's where logic picks us up. What can he I just say, like, man? He just, He's like, and then next thing you know, I'm doing his podcast. He's doing hers. This is how he rolls. What's up, guys? It's Logic. Hey, what's up, guys? What's up? What's up, guys? Logic. You all hear me? Is this what you want? What's up, guys? Welcome to Logically Speaking. I am your host, Logic. And I have a very special guest here today. My friend... In many ways, a mentor, uh, producer, actress, writer, creator of the shy, the voice of a generation, Lena Waithe. What's up? Welcome. Thank you. That's high praise, man. I know. I actually worked on that in the shower today. <laughs> well uh, done. Thank you. I appreciate it. Um, I want to thank you for doing this because I know you don't normally do stuff like this. Why'd you show out for Logic? You know, because we're friends and you said it'd be more silly than serious. So I was like, all right, I'll take that. No, that is real. I think um, I think every time I do press, people would just be asking me really dumb shit. But for me, I don't see this as press. You know what I mean? Right. It ain't nothing to sell. It's like, I just want to be able to have a good conversation with somebody that I love and appreciate. Yeah, I get that. So I'd like to just, I'd like, I'd like to learn a little more about you. Okay. Because we're homies. Yeah. But there's a lot I feel like we don't know about each other. So how was growing up for you? What was your home life like? Um, it was really, I think, idyllic mm. because I grew up in my grandmother's house, which is the same house in which my mother grew up in, which I think is really cool, um, on the south side of Chicago. And I also grew up in a lot of houses in that neighborhood were like that, where the grandparents, the parents and the children. So it was like, th I call them three generation houses. And mm. I think that really kind of helped shape me and gave me a bit of an old school way of being. Cause my grandmother, you know, is there day to day. And she has, she's from the South, from Arkansas. And she has a very different way of looking at the world. And then my mom has a very different viewpoint. And then I was shaping my own. And, and I think, and also, I was, it was really cool. The things that we watched on TV and mm. what we all liked. And there were certain things that we all liked. There are certain things that just I liked. There are certain things that just my grandmother liked. There are certain things that just my mom liked. So I was very early on paying attention to audiences and what they liked and, and what appealed to who. Like my mom would like LA Law. My grandmother would mm. like this show called Hunter. And I'd be watching like, you know, Family Matters or, or <laughs> you know, Living Single, stuff like that. So. Ooh, Living Single, Khadija. Yeah, man. Just saw her recently. So it's just sort of like, that to me is sort of what shaped, I think, my mind in terms of television and who was, who was into what. Wow. When, when, when did your like journey of uh, creativity really begin? Where, when do you think and what was it? Was it always write, writing? Um, I, I just sort of like storytelling, I mm. think. And, um, and I think in all the forms, but for me, television was the most exciting just because I appreciated the because I really liked half hour comedy stuff, mm. and I think I was really appreciated the fact that a story could be told 
in that amount of time. There could be a beginning, middle, and end, uh, particularly with sitcoms at that time, which is what I was watching mostly. Those characters are going to keep coming up. They're going to keep being put in funny situations. And I just sort of found that really interesting and fascinating. That's dope. And I think about like your come up. I mean, just in these last eight years since 2015, I feel like you have just done life-changing work, like really insane. I appreciate that. And I think a lot of people, you know, because me as a musician, like I, I was grinding for a long time before I had, you know, my hit records start, mm-hmm. starting with 1-800. Mm-hmm. But before that, I had hit albums. I had a fan base. I had, yeah. you know, really, uh, I was building something. And I know you yourself had been building for so long. Yeah. But people could see, you know what I'm saying, you acting on a show or, or starting to write here or there. Right. And then out of nowhere, feel like, yeah, especially with like the Ready Player One stuff <laughs> and the West yeah. World and all, all the really amazing um uh, things that you've been a part of, but they could see it as like, oh, she kind of just blew up overnight. Right, right. How does that feel? Do you feel like like that's true? I know it's not, but I want to hear how you feel about it. <laughs> no, I mean, I think people drop into your journey wherever they drop in at. And there's some people, which which I sort of had to learn on my own when I'm out and about, I never know, I never assume what someone is going to come up to me for because mm. I can easily think, oh, okay, I'm assuming you watched the shot. And they're like, actually, you know, like first of the egg, you know what I mean? I'm like, oh, okay, you're ready to play one mm. person, you know, or I don't always know, like somebody come up and go, you know, oh, I love Master of None. And I'm like, oh, okay, I didn't, wouldn't think, or they'll say I love the shy. And so it's really nice to, to have people to have different reference points for me. And yeah. I think that to me is what's really interesting. And I think for me, I enjoy not being, boxed in, yeah. not being just one thing and sort of trying to keep it exciting for myself, but also to sort of keep people guessing, keep people mm. on their toes. I, um, I really relate to that because, mm-hmm. you know, coming up and looking how I look and this and that and feeling <laughs> like I never really fit in. Um, when I'd be rapping about Star Wars or anime or this or that, I, like, you know, people was like, oh, that's lame or that's this or that. But I'll never forget Alan Watts, you know, a great philosopher. He said, anything you can be interested in, you will find others who are. And I'm not interested in staying in a box. I'm interested in pushing my limits. You know what I mean? Like, honestly, if I'm being real, like before you showed up, I was all like pacing. I'm all excited. Like, (laughs) you know, and that's how I felt about the guests that I've had on the show, because I'm I'm outside of my norm doing this. You know what I mean? And that's an exciting thing. I'll never forget when I was a. I think it was 2014, my first album, I did Jimmy Fallon. And Mm. it was the first time I was on television and I was like, damn near had a panic attack. Like I I was having a panic attack backstage and I was so scared, but nervous and excited. And a buddy of mine, he pulled me aside and he was like, yo, Bob, you need to remember this. I was like, what are you talking about? He said, you need to remember this feeling of angst and all this because you're going to get used to this shit. Mm. And he's right. Like there's so much that I've been blessed enough to accomplish. And I know, you know what that feels like. Mm-hmm. So I want to thank you for giving me that feeling of being all excited again hey, and joining me here today. I appreciate cool. you. Like I, I'm, ex- I, I was excited as I was rolling up, you know, mm. because we do get a chance to connect and talk and, you know, just send voice notes and stuff and check in. But I think, it's nice to to document, you know, just the conversation, the uh, back and forth, and because that that kind of stuff, I think we forget to do, and mm. and I think um, it's important 
for us just to, you know, connect maybe on record. I, I agree. <laughs> um, so one question I have, I mean, you're a triple threat in the best way. You know what I'm saying? You're a strong black woman. You are gay. You are positive. I'm saying like you, you wear all that. You just are yourself and you were yourself, especially because like this industry has changed in the last 10 years oh, yeah. where a person like yourself, you know, may have been made to feel like you can't actually, you know, pull up and just be you. How, how do you feel that uh, you as a, a strong human being were able to overcome that and just truly be you? Well, you know, one, I'm grateful to, you know, exist in the space the way that I do. But I really it's is really I feel like my steps being ordered, you know, and there being a, a path that I was meant to take. But I'm also grateful for the people along the way mm. that saw something and took a chance. People like um, Allison Jones, who's the reason why we sort of got on screen, a wonderful, amazing, legendary cast and director. Um, she cast things like Freaks and Geeks and Bridesmaids and Master Classic, of None. Yo. Yeah, Master of None. So she's the one who sat with me and was sort of encouraging me to do on camera stuff. And uh and I think that really changed the course of things. And then obviously introduced me to Aziz and mm. Aziz was like, Aziz, I'm sorry, was like, um, I want you to come take this journey with me. And because of that, I was able to really get on TV. And I think we were able to show people that that like a woman like me is mm. not alone. I there's many of us that we exist in the world and we want to be seen and we deserve to be centered. And um, so I'm really grateful for that, you know, but also I'm grateful to, you know, Steven Spielberg for putting me in Ready Player One and seeing the potential and put, making me a part of something that's really bigger than myself. And, and it really turned into something really special. So I'm grateful to those that um, Lisa Joy, who, who, who saw me and was like, come on, come do Westworld and mm. just all these opportunities. And Justin Simeon, who allowed me to produce his, his first feature, Dear White People. Um, which took me to Sundance for the first time. Mm. So it's just really these people along the way that have given me opportunities to to show up um, and do something that I hadn't really done before. That's what's up, and I think you I think you represent a lot of people out there who may not have a voice, and you should be proud of yourself for that. That's real. That's <laughs> true. You. Well, why are you laughing? I appreciate that, man. You know, I don't really I think think about it in that in that way. I, I think, know you don't. That's why I'm saying it. I know. I I, <laughs> I just think for me, it's really about. You know, doing the work, putting your head down, doing the work mm. and um, being because the work has to be exciting to me or I can't really ask anybody else to get excited about it. So that's really what I'm always trying to do is be entertained by it um, and continue to push myself to do things differently that I haven't done. Amazing. Last question about work and then I'm going to shut the fuck up. Okay. I'm just going to talk life. And All right. How does it feel to come from Chicago and then create one of the greatest pieces of content and media and stories that is the shy about where you're from and for it to be so successful. How does that feel? It feels really, it feels like a blessing, all of it, you know, um, that's the only word that comes to mind mm. because it really was this thing that was destined to happen. And I didn't know, I didn't know. Cause I really, it was the first time I tried to write a drama is what the shot is. Like that was me sitting down 
and trying to figure out what that is. I knew what I wanted to tell the story. It needed to be an hour, even though I'd only written half hour. And so that also feels like I really needed that guidance from above on how to do that. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm also grateful to the people like in Keichi Carroll, who is a drama writer who I called in to help me and listen to the first table read that we did to hear it out loud. Um, I really poured everything I had into that pilot and for the people at Showtime and I knew it was a Showtime show too. Mm-hmm. I was like, cause they had this show called the affair, which I thought was really interesting a show about seeing an affair through two different Perspectives. Uh, perspectives. Yeah. So I remember watching that and thinking it was really something special and unique. I was like, if they want to do that, they'll they might consider doing that's a manifestation show. right there, though. That's like you seeing what you want, where you want it, how you want it, and then making it happen. That's bullshit. Well, look, I mean, I didn't usually you're supposed to create a bidding war and get a bunch of people excited, and I just kept saying, I was like, no, it's showtime. And they were the first place we pitched to, and they got it. And um I'm really grateful. And we, you know, we're, we're in production on season six, right? Let's now. go. Congratulations. Let's go. Thank you so much. We'll be back this summer. Let's go. Turn up. Come on. Um, when's the first time you smoked weed? Do you remember it? I was like in New York. I was in my thirties. I was doing hey, wait, 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 wait. You didn't smoke weed till you were in your thirties? Correct. Wow. I was doing Master of None. Okay. Sorry. Continue. My bad. I was just a little taken aback because you just such a face for the culture of marijuana-ness. I know because I just sort of, but also, like, thank God, because ain't no telling. Like, I needed, I think, to be to be able to to navigate it for myself. I need to get. A, I needed to be a little bit older. But yeah, I started when I was in New York, and wow. um, uh, and I, that's that's what I associate that first season with that, you know, because I we were so just like trying stuff, and so I was living in New York for the first, like it was just, you know, I was like going back and forth and working with Aziz and really building that rapport. And finding that show. And um, it was a really interesting time. It was really cool. That's what's up. Yeah. My my relationship with weed is like when I was a kid, you're in like high school. Mm-hmm. Well, no, technically the first time I smoked weed, I was in the hood with my brothers because they were, you know, were drug dealers and running around and busting guns and doing all that shit. And mm-hmm. I was like, oh, I'm trying to be cool like my brothers. But they're like, nah, you don't want this life. Like we, we just trying to be good big brothers. Now hit this weed. <laughs> so I'm like 11. I hit the weed for the first time and I like low key have a panic attack and we're outside. We're like, what? yeah, dog, we're like 10 stories up in the projects out on this balcony. And I'm like, don't let me jump. And they like, shut your little mixed ass up. What the fuck? No, why are you saying shit like that? I was like, I don't know, man. And then it was, yeah. And they were like, drink some milk. And I was like, what the fuck is that going to do? do? They're like, it'll make you, it'll make you not be as high and, and go take a shower. So I went in the bathroom with a, a glass of milk and the shower was just running. And I just stood there for like 15 minutes. <laughs> I'm surprised you kept, I'm surprised you kept, you know, kept up the habit. After no, that. but I didn't. So then it was only like a handful of times that I was like with ah, the okay. homies and they're like, don't be no bitch. You know, hit it, shotgun it, punch you in the chest. Like oh all day. And I was like, oh my Damn. God. And so it wasn't until I was older and I was like, oh, let me just like microdose. Let me just take a little hit, see how I feel. It's ain't a contest. And um, once I did that, it really, it really helped me. And I smoked for a while. I hit it first when I was like, for real, 27. And then I smoked for f- until my son was born in 2020. Because I was so scared that like, 
having a baby, I was like, oh my God, what if I'm like really stoned? And then he's crying in the 10th dimension of space and time. And I was like, I can't, I got to be a good dad, man. So then after uh, a couple of years, I was like, you know what? Let's just see what's up. So I hit the weed. And like the first thing that happens is he like, not like I'm smoking around my son all the time or nothing like that. I'm just saying, you know, going the other Disclaimer, room. disclaimer. Disclaimer. Yeah. Right. You know, we got to do that. Um, so I'm like, you know, on the porch or whatever, just hit the Wheaties with his mama. And I go and I sit next to them and he falls down and cries. And I'm like, pick yourself up, son. You'll be all right. It was like, it was okay. It was pretty cool. Yeah. But Which would probably be a reaction even if you are smoking. True. Exactly. I never get too baked though. Like my, my big thing is, um, especially, you know, when working, I, I think having yeah. a, a sober mind. And when I say working, I mean more so like on set, on stage, where you really need to be present. But when it comes to creating, I'm getting- Some cats is like, it's like constant. Mm. Some cats, especially in your profession. Yeah, no, tell me about it. It's just a constant. Yeah, we was on, <laughs> so I didn't, I, so like I said, I didn't smoke weed for three years after my son was born. And then me and Wiz went out, we went on tour last year. And Oh, the king. Yeah, the God. And I was like, I was like, hey man, just so you know, like we were shooting <laughs> promo. Like it was like a fun little- almost like a godfather skit to like promote mm-hmm. the tour. And we're sitting at the table and he's just hotboxing it. And I'm just kind of like, hey man, just so you know, I don't smoke weed anymore. And he's like, yeah, you're going to be smoking weed after this tour is over. Like literally he just says it and it's not even like a joke. Like I didn't laugh. I was like, no, <laughs> in my mind. Was he right? He was right as fuck. Yes. I went out on that tour. I was getting lit. I was on stage. Yo, I got it. Yo, this motherfucker, Wiz Khalifa. First of all, shout out to you, man. You're my brother. You're a fucking real one. You're my idol. You set the example of what it means to make it independently in in, in music. So thank you for that. But this dude, he sent me like the last, (laughs) the last show. He sent me this giant 12 foot canvas and it's a, it's a photo of something I've never done in my life. I'm on stage smoking a joint with a bottle of 18-year McAllen, and he's just like blowing smoke. And it's the illest, it's the illest picture ever. Wow. But that's that's pretty iconic. Yeah. So cats like him, he literally smokes all the time. And I, I, mm-hmm. I would always be like, hey man, you ever like have a panic attack or get anxiety? He's like, nah, fuck that. <laughs> I'm like, never. He's like, nah, man. That's interesting. Have you ever, has it ever made you anxious? No, no, I haven't had that. But I do know people that that's their, like, that's what they're like, oh, that's why I don't do it. Because they don't want to get freaked out. Yeah, but I feel like weed. I know it should have the opposite effect, but everybody has different experiences on it. It's wild. You could, you could have, you know, four different people hit the same joint. And one person will be. Wanting to create, want to want to work out, <laughs> want to be all having a panic attack. I think I think it's not the weed; it's you. That's true. Like mentally, like it's wherever you are. And I think the reason I used to have panic attacks when I would smoke is because you were. I needed to be in control. Oh, so I then you were when say I you were anxious. Oh, I mean, I'm before. definitely yeah, yeah. It was very anxious. I've I've come leaps and bounds. Um, how's your anxiety? You know, um, I think it's pretty even killed you know i'm really grateful for that uh i think just because i've sort of got to the place of just embracing whatever it is um and trying to find a way to move through it that's a hard thing to do absolutely i struggled with i wrote a book called supermarket it's a it's like a fictional book Mm -hmm. but you know they say 
write what you know, put yourself in your, in your work. Mm -hmm. And so I was going through like some serious depression and anxiety, like crazy. There's this, uh, have you ever heard of the term derealization? I have, but remind me. It's literally where you feel like you're like looking at life through like, like glass. It's weird. You feel mm. completely like almost disassociated from your own yeah. experience. It's like you're stoned all the time. You know what it's like? It's like, you mm. remember men in black when it was that little ass alien in that dude's head? Yes. That's how it felt. It felt like I wasn't me. I don't know how to explain it. Mm. And so I wrote it out, you know, doctors trying to give me pills and shit and like anxiety medication, which I, I think, you know, for some people it, it's important because if you have a chemical imbalance and you lit, like physically need something to help you, I'm all for it. But this wasn't that. This was just doctors trying to throw pills at me to kind of numb what was going on. I was like, nah, what I need is therapy. Mm. And so, you know, I started seeing my therapist and then I started writing his book. And the first half of the book is just this dude. He's just fucked up. He's scared. He doesn't know what's going on. Just that's me. Mm. And then I finished the first half and I started really working on myself, um, focusing on the things that matter most. And then, and then that's when I wrote the second half of the book. And I found myself out on the other side, a changed man. And I feel like the art that you create, it gives off that same vibe, man, that, that you just make something from your heart that you know. And I think that's why people resonate with you so much. Uh, I appreciate that, man. I think, um, you know, we don't have a choice but to put ourselves, I think, in the work. Mm. I think that's why it all feels so personal. Um or if somebody doesn't like something, it feels like they're not, they don't like you as a person. Cause it's like, that's your personness in the work. Um, and so, but we also just, I think, remember that when we give it the work out, it no longer belongs to us. Mm. So I think that's a hard thing to, to let go true, of though. that it's I've true. had to learn. It's true. It's not yours anymore. You know, you don't get to determine how people feel about it. Um, or how they receive it or, you know, it's, it's, it's a, it's a relationship. And so I think that's what is exciting is, is to be in constant relationship with, uh, the folks that decide to engage with the work mm. because what they get out of it is, is really exciting for me to hear and to understand, you know, the, both sides of it. It can't just be the good. It also has to be, uh, all of it, all, all of it. And I think that's, that's part of the relationship. So mm. I'm grateful for all of it. Um, and I'm just happy to be, you know, someone that people, they want to engage with the work. Hell yeah. Yeah. I love this energy that you're bringing right now. You bring that chill zen vibe. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I feel like, you know, I spent, I spent my whole twenties trying to achieve what I've been blessed enough to achieve. Mm -hmm. Um, but the, I feel like, do you have a ready player one tattoo? Yeah. What? What are you talking about? Of course. We does I did this. not know that. Yeah, you don't understand. Like when I read the book, so I bought 50 copies of the book and just gave it to all my friends because I loved it so much. Ernest, that's said, amazing. Ernest, exactly. Let's Ernest talk about Klein. Ernest Klein, the Klein. God, the goat, the creator. I got a Christmas card from him. Yo, me too. And it's dope, ain't it? Yeah, it's the best. It's always like his family and everything. It's amazing. Um, but Shout out to Ernest Klein. Yeah, shout out Ernest Klein. Writer of the book, Ready Player One. He's And a sequel too. People have been waiting. They've been asking. I know. What's up with that? That's above my pay grade. <laughs> All right, bet, bet. Um, but I think we should honestly leave it alone. It's like one of those things. It's great. Where it's like, I think it is. I think it's amazing. I don't think we should. Uh, you know what I'm saying? I don't know. I just feel like it's so. 
I mean, so I wouldn't great. be mad to go sit in the theater as long I as y'all don't fuck it up. I would good. be mad, but that's like such a, it's so scary. Mm. It's such a tightrope. Yeah. Just because of what, what the movie, you know, was able to do. I know. And it really but is I, I, But if you, because if you really fuck with the book like that and you like the movie, that's a huge compliment. Because obviously I read the book too. Uh, let's talk about this for a second. This is real. So I saw, when did, when did this happen? It was like, what's really wild is I was, I don't know. I was at Steven Spielberg's house, Flex. <laughs> And I ran into him, I bumped into him because I was there um, uh, with my homies and his daughter, Destry, and we was just vibing. Mm -hmm. And um, I was going through a breakup at the time and I just, you know, I needed good people in my life. You know what I'm saying? And so we're there, we're all talking, just hanging. I go to the bathroom and then I, you know, take a piss, wash my hands, open the door and just bumping at his old dude. And I was like, oh shit, my bad. I'm sorry. I was like, oh fuck, <laughs> it's Steven Spielberg. And he looks at me, he was like, he's like, oh, hey. Uh, and I shook his hand. I still ain't washed it yet, but I shook his hand and I was like, <laughs> I was like, it's a real pleasure to meet you, sir. Sorry, I'm not, I'm not trying to cramp your style. He's like, no, you're not cramping my style at all. And I was like, oh, that's dope. And then he did something that I thought was really funny. And I go, I go, oh, that's dope, man. Da, da, da. And I was like, oh, we both know JJ Abrams. Um, this and that, and we were just sh shooting the shit. And I was like, "Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm writing a script." He goes, "That's dope. That's dope." <laughs> and I was like, "Yo, I just got Steven Spielberg to say dope. How cool is that?" Anyway, that's my little that's amazing side story. But He's what a good I, man. What I was gonna say is when I um when I first saw the let me preface this by saying it's one of my favorite movies of all time. Oh man, I mean it. I'm honored to be a part of it. And when I watched it for the first time, I was I was hot. I was like, this isn't like the book, like in my mind. I was like, this isn't like the book. It's not like the book. And when you read the book, it's like, bro. You, the book is really layered. Yeah, but it's like Parzival is like playing on like a old joystick arcade. Like that shit ain't going to be dope on screen. Right, right, right. And when I realized this, I kind of had to step back. Because a lot of like people's initial thoughts, especially people who are in the creative space, is just a tweet. And view, you know, spew mm -hmm. vomit out their mouth and shit like that. I'm not like that. So internally, I was like, man, I don't know. I don't know about this. Like, yeah, it looks great. And the actors are great. And the, and then I just start naming all these things that are great about it. And I'm like, wow, this is great. But the, and, and the thing that really opened my mind to mm -hmm. just how amazing the movie was is when I think about how I grew up watching Jurassic Park. Mm -hmm. And that movie Same. is really amazing. But in my, Late twenties, I read the book. I was like, "Yo, this book shits on the movie," <laughs> like literally. And I'm like, "Well, damn." But I grew up with this, and it was a classic. So when I watched Ready Player One again, I go, "Let's pretend like this book doesn't exist." What is best for the screen? And I think, as opposed to a joystick arcade game scene with him fighting some <laughs> Crystal Skull guy. Giving us one of the greatest car chase races in cinematic history. Yeah, I'm glad it wasn't like the book because that was incredible. Mr. So, Spielberg. Yeah, man. That's what he does. It's pretty wild. And it was a, like, you know, when you're doing stuff like that, you're in a white box, basically, mm. with just like frames of things. And um, he could see certain things on his monitor, though. Yeah. What it would be, what it would be, what it like could. What so you guys were doing like, like mocap, right? You absolutely, had, yeah, all yeah. of it. Mostly, there was some live action to it as well. But yeah, it was just really 
such a crazy experience, you know, really having to use your full imagination. Sometimes um, Stephen would let us get a peek at what he was seeing so we can kind of get a sense of what it yep. will ultimately look like. And then when I went in to do the voiceover work, which was really cool because I'm obviously we're tricking the audience a bit if you haven't read the book. If you. Yeah. Spoiler alert. But yo, it's been like 10 years. I know, man. Yeah, y'all got on. it. So let's talk about it. We we good. Um, my character is so, like in the Oasis is a big old guy. And in real life, she's a, a young lady like myself. Mm-hmm. So, um, but yeah, it's, it's, it's cool. It's, it just was really a wonderful experience. It was a wonderful experience. Yeah. That honestly, like the whole story of, um, you know, the backstory of, of H of Helen's mm-hmm. character, I'll never forget. I was reading the book. It was the first time I read it. I've never cried to a book in my life. And I was in on this plane and I was reading about what she had to endure and go through. Um, and I just, I broke down and like cried on this plane. So that's why seeing you then, I mean, they couldn't have picked a better person. (laughs) They literally could not have picked a better person. Like it is, it's so true to the, to the book and what that Mm -hmm. is, but it's also once again, in this, you're really, all I'm saying, I'm just, man, you really out here changing shit. You know (laughs) what I'm saying? And, And just representing a whole lot of people and you should really be proud of yourself because I'm grateful. I'm uh, grateful to be, I'm really grateful for the journey. That's what I'm talking about. And speaking of which, Mm -hmm. you know, throughout my twenties, I feel like I kind of, I look back and I was so focused on a goal that I, I wasn't, I wasn't present, Mm -hmm. you know? And so from 20 to 30, all I wanted to do was become one of the biggest rappers in the world. Mm. And I've achieved that, but I look back and there's a lot I wish I had been more present for, but that's, that's okay true. too. Yeah. Because now in my thirties, I, I understand that. And I am as present as or I try to be as present as I possibly can. Mm-hmm. But one thing I didn't have through my twenties, because I, in many ways kind of felt like a kid mm-hmm. was utter confidence and not giving a fuck in creating unapologetically and doubling down on being myself. These last few years yeah. have really taught me that how 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 did you find that confidence in yourself oh man i mean well what you just said is so well put mm, i think you. uh it's something about just really fighting and doing the work being in therapy doing everything you can to embrace all that you are mm. even the stuff you don't like about yourself i think that is really cuz that's the hard part it's sort of like taking the shame away from things that you you know, maybe would be or have been told to be ashamed of. And so it's about just embracing all of it, you know, and not, not trying to make something that it wasn't, can't, can't change a childhood. And so amen. it's about, all right, well, how do we move on? How do we move forward? How do we find peace? How do we find joy? Cause that really is a full-time job trying to maintain it. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's, it's a, it's a fight every day. The first time we met, was we was at Nobu mm-hmm. and I was on one side of the restaurant. You were on the other side. Yeah. And I think you sent something over. I sent some, drinks. I was thinking about that. I sent I was, some drinks yes. over. Yeah. And, uh, not alcoholic. Yeah, yeah. I don't. Yeah, exactly. And they told me that too. And I was like, Oh, well <laughs> just send something real cool, whatever. And, yeah, then, but, and yeah. then you look over and you like, come over here. You're like, come over here. Like, yeah. like come on, let's come yeah, say yeah, what's yeah, up. Yeah, and yeah, I was yeah. like, Nope. 
<laughs> I was like, I'm not going to fuck this up. Cause every time I see like an idol or somebody that I love and appreciate their work, I'm like, I don't want to fuck it up. I don't want to fuck it up. I just want to just be a fan. And nah. you were like, no, nah. like you was, ta- you was taking no. no for an answer. I was like, please, you have to, because he didn't know this, but I was watching his interviews. Well, I was listening to the most recent album at the time. Yeah. At the time. Yeah. Uh, and, and you blew my mind when you were saying that because I'm such a fan really, of you. So for you to be like quoting rap lines that I was saying, I, I couldn't believe really it. I was really loving what you were doing. Um, just the reference points and just really smart. And also just uh, for me, because it was sort of like almost because, again, people drop into your career wherever they do. And that for me is really kind of my introduction to you mm-hmm. really more so that album, which is a very interesting one to be. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, for sure. So it was sort of like where I really was. Like, what? Who is this guy? But also was realized like, oh, he's he's tapped by people that are, you know, that are goaded. You know yeah, what I'm saying? Sure. So it's like cause it, cause real recognize real. Yeah, oh, I know what it like, is. Okay. <laughs> and um, but then also like your story I was really tapped into as mm-hmm. well and, and in the book. And so that so it was just like but the book came after our meeting. Yeah. But but I was just really tapped into your story and I was watching interviews and stuff. Wow. So that's why it was so crazy. And then because, we saw each other. Yes, but I was just it was I was just really learning about you at the time. And so that's why it was nuts. Imagine that that's why I was like, no, I'm not goofing around. Come over here because <laughs> I manifested. But this I didn't even. I was like, I was like, no, I'm not. And you but got, I went up, up, you I got, got up. up. I went over there. And can like, I, because I was like, I have to tell you this. This is crazy. I've been watching videos of you. Can I please thank you so much for acknowledging my wife when we met? I can't tell oh, you how yeah. many pieces of shit in this fucking industry be so focused on, quote unquote, the star in the room that they be ignoring everybody. You are not that person. You mm. walk in a room, you shake everybody's hand, you address them with reverence and respect. Mm. And I, I want the world to know that right now. The first time we met you, you you look my wife in her eyes and me in my eyes and there was no rap star. There was no this. There was no that. You were just talking to people. And I, I really appreciate that. Thank you. Oh, thank you, man. Thank you for sending something over. Sure. Um, and uh, I'm glad it was destined man, like, for us to be there. It was. Day. I was so starstruck. So that actually leads me to a question. <laughs> Who do you remember that like made you, you really starstruck when you met them? Like, I can't believe I actually met this person. Even in retrospect, like you didn't have to freak out, but internally to be like, wow, that moment of like, we did it. I'm, I'm. I can't believe I'm shaking this person's hand. Actually, probably Oprah. Oh. That was the one. <laughs> Yo, Dilla alarm. Burr, 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 burr. Yo, Oprah. You met Oprah at the Independent Spirit Awards. We were nominated. They were there for Selma, mm. and we were there for dear white people. Wow. And um, she was so sweet. She told myself and Justin Simeon, the writer director of that film, she was like, "I watched it on a plane. And it was really great." Um, she, she, she I'm sure like, she meant to say Jet. Well, I think that's what she meant when she said it. Maybe. Just being funny. But it was lit. And we were just like, we were so blown away that she took the time to watch the movie. And she said, I think she said she watched it when she was on the way to Africa or something. Wow. Like, of course. So it was just lit. And we were, but, but it, that was really cool because it was that thing of, it was like, oh man, like even if in, in Justin won an award that night, he won the award. Wow. And for, I think best first feature. Um, but, it was really, I'll never forget it. It was like him winning, which was dope, but meeting her and her telling us that she got a chance to see the movie and she enjoyed it. It's really dope. And, and you know, yeah, it was just dope. I love that. Yeah. It's always, I mean, I remember meeting the RZA for the first time. Wow. That was, 
That's big. Yeah, I mean, I, I got into hip hop because of Kill Bill and the soundtrack, you know, Quentin Tarantino. And then the fact that the RZA did that, like when I first, I was like, what the hell's RZA? What the fuck is that? Like, I didn't know because <laughs> I'm a kid, you know, I'm like 13, 14. And then I discovered the whole Wu-Tang Clan and they were there for me. Like my father was not around, you know what I mean? And mm. so, I mean, sometimes, but not really. And in a way like that clan, I had nine dads. Like it was really cool. I felt like they raised me through their music. And then so for that little boy to have a dream, I remember being 15 and being like, one day I'm going to get the whole Wu-Tang Clan on a song and I'm going to call this shit Wu-Tang forever. <laughs> yeah, right. Wow. And then you fast forward and I I did that shit in 2018. And See? yeah, so that that to me right there, that's manifestation. And that's definitely like when I met RZA on a plane, on a plane. Uh, and he, he was wow. just so kind and so nice. And, uh, that was, that was really special. That's uh, dope. So what makes you happy? <laughs> oh man, that's a good question. I think a day where there's a lot of free time, mm. you know, just to do nothing to, to like vibe out, to, to get in some water to to drive up Malibu, you know what I mean? Hey. So I think that to me is just like really dope. That makes me happy. I I feel you on that. Nothingness I, basically. I yeah. also struggle with it because like I'm definitely a workaholic. Uh-huh. But I'm a workaholic that puts his family first. Uh-huh. And then gets the work done. And like if I'm not on business calls and emails and in a studio and producing beats and mm-hmm. helping others and you know working on this that and a third Sometimes I feel worthless. I feel mm-hmm. like it's all going to slip away and 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 it's almost like when I'm I'm grinding so hard all I all I think about is like a vacation. I couldn't tell you the last time I took one. Mm-hmm. Um going on a baby moon with my wife next week though. Love it. And I feel like it's just really it could just be really difficult to allow myself to rest. Do you ever feel that way? I feel like when I'm resting sometimes I'm thinking about work. That's interesting. I mean, no, I have to get certain things done with mm. my whatever my tasks are. I have to get those things done. Once I'm done with those things, I can really empty my mind. But I have to be reading something, watching something, listening to music, so that I can be focused on that thing. Love it. I feel the same way, like about video games. Because oh yeah, I know some people do that. Yeah, I'm obsessed. I love video games. I don't. I don't. I haven't gotten into that. Although we have a character on the shy that is basically becoming a professional gamer. So. Mm. I respect it. Yeah, um, gaming is gaming is dope. You just gotta find your own niche. Like I really I used to do it when I was young, but I have such a What were you into? What kind of Oh, but see it was like it was like Mortal Kombat. Oh type classic. Shit. Yeah, like, get over here. We were doing that stuff. But then also like I remember being young and we like had Nintendo, we had Game Boys, we like did the Mario Kart. That's why I was crazy to see like the movie. Cause like I oh, remember yeah. my dad like hooking it up with the Nintendo, the old school. Like we I remember getting that. Yeah. And then you're literally... We had Sega. In a video game. We had Sonic the Hedgehog. Sonic. The second Sonic is the best, though, because that's the one that lets you, like, boost up. And then go yeah. off the first one. You just had to, like, run. It was lame. Yeah, that was the stuff we were doing. And we had we had, we had the duck game. We were shooting ducks. Oh, yeah, duck hunt. Yeah. I actually just got duck hunt, like, six months ago. I got the Nintendo, classic Nintendo. I got a... Um, what is it called? CVR or something like that? TV, like the tube TV. Mm-hmm. And I was just I was just playing Duck Hunt, getting really baked. Duck Hunt was the shit. Um, what's your favorite food? 
Right now, I was in New York, and uh, is it Empan? There's like this place empanadas. Empan- empanadas. Mm. And I gotta remember the name of it. I'm gonna remember. It. I'm gonna have them like you flash it. Okay. But like, is it? Oh man! If I have my phone, I text my guy. He's really dope empanadas. Okay. In New York, I'm gonna get the name. I like that. I remember when. So where I grew up, um, it was predominantly um, black and Hispanic Latin culture, and um, there was a lot of people from El Salvador in, in our neighborhood, and uh, a really incredible, tasty, delicious food. It's, it's called a pupusa. Have you ever had one? Oh, of hell yeah. Oh, my God. And Those then, are lit. Me and Gina Prince Bice, we used to get those all the time. And then so one of my homies' moms, they lived like in, in the project on the bottom um, level. And her kitchen was like right there. And she had a window. And she used to cook pupusas all day with her window open, have a line around a block and sell pupusas for $1 out of her Kitchen. And you get that, it's like that slaw, oh. like that sauce and like the pork and cheese joints. Yeah. What a hustler. Smart. That's pretty, that's pretty dope. Um, what's one of your favorite memories from, from childhood? Um, you know, it's interesting because uh, I feel like, like, I think it's so funny because there was a meme going around saying like the kids will never know what TGIF really means. <laughs> so, the, so like. It was like full house, step by step, family matters. Yeah. You know, all that good stuff. Um, yeah. My sister and I, like getting that Pizza Hut, whatever, like getting to that Friday night. That stuff was really fun. Yeah. That's just sort of amazing. like blockbuster weekends and things like that, or getting the microwave popcorn or just going to the movies. It was always sitting around food and entertainment. And I think that's why I kind of still gravitate toward those things my own way. Yeah, I mean, for sure. I yeah. think it's such a special thing to hear you say that one of your f- favorite memories ever is just consuming great entertainment with the people that you love. Exactly. Fast forward today, you are making great, incredible entertainment with people you love. It's pretty cool. I mean, it's I'm I'm honored to be a part of, you know, people's lives in some way. Do you believe in manifestation? Like, do you believe that's real? Absolutely. Yeah, Ta- I do. <laughs> I, I feel like it's either manifestation or we in a fucking simulation. Cause like the shit that be happening to me, dog, you don't even know. Like a couple of weeks ago, I was, uh, I was just chilling, minding my own fucking business. I don't know why. I just started thinking of Rosie O'Donnell. I, I don't know what it was. I, just, I love Rosie O'Donnell. I love Rosie, right? And I used I just, to watch her show after school at three o'clock, NBC. Of course. It's classic. And so I'm sitting, I remember Harriet the Spy. I watched. Oh, yeah. Remember she, she went to that thing where she was like having different desks? People like make different desks for her. No, I don't remember that. Yeah, people would design desks for her, and she used to have like these crazy desks every fucking day. So I'm week. thinking, I'm thinking about Rosie O'Donnell. I'm thinking about, um, you know, just man, her as a woman and representing herself in the best way through the '90s, through adversity, through whatever the case may be. And she always stayed herself. And as a child, I was like, oh my god, like, like there's something about that that stuck with me. Mm-hmm. And so I'm just randomly just thinking about Rosie. Two days later, I have like a weird dream that me and her are just smoking a joint. <laughs> and then like a day after that, I was supposed to do Jamie Kennedy's podcast, which I eventually did do, but I couldn't make it for whatever reason. And I go to Nobu. Shout out course, Nobu. Shout course, out Nobu-san. Always. I go to Nobu. Who in the fuck is sitting at the table right next to me? Rosie O'Donnell. 
Damn, that's 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 super interesting. And I wanted to say what's when that up, happened. but you know me, I'm scared. I've never, I, I, so I was like freaking out. I was like, oh shit, my wife is there. I'm like, what do I do? Like, like I, I was like, no, I can't bother. I can't bother. So what I did was, is I wrote her a letter. Of course. Thanking her, like a little note on a piece of paper, thanking her and, you know, paid for her meal and just said, this is the smallest thank you I could ever do. And compared to what you've done for me without even knowing it. And left it at that, like never saw her, never said, wow. say hi. And the next day, Jamie Kennedy goes, now this is what's crazy. Jamie Kennedy goes, hey man, you out here buying Rosie O'Donnell lunch? I go, how the fuck could you have, how do you know that? And he's like, because since you couldn't do the pod that day, the person she was at lunch with did my pod that day and you paid for his meal as well. And I was like, what? How is that? How crazy is that? And then he gives me Rosie's number and then we're texting and vibing. And she was like, she's like, listen, I'm not well versed on hip hop. <laughs> and she said, she was like, but, uh, you know, I saw you and your beautiful wife and I thought this guy has to be a designer or something. I was wearing, I got my Louis bag on. I was feeling myself and shit. And I was like, damn, Rosie O'Donnell thinks I'm cool. And she goes, now I, I didn't really know too much about you, but I told my four kids and they freaked out. I'm and I was saying. like, yo, how cool is that? And so I'm eventually, I'm going to go do Rosie's podcast. But manifestation, how wild is that? Wow. That's like, I just, I do believe in it, man. I think that's so interesting. Mm. That's so fascinating that you think about that person and then like they're there. It's like, I just don't think that stuff is a coincidence at all. For sure. Can you dance? I think so. Yeah? Yeah. I feel like I've never been like a... I'm more like a, I'm not, a, I'm definitely not a gangsters don't dance in the club kind of guy. Like, but you know, I'll groove a little bit, but I'm, I just, I've never been, I rap. You know what he does? He flexes at Nobu. <laughs> there it is. That's, Honestly, that's my takeaway too from this. It's bro. like, see Lena, see Rosie here, sending you some drinks, paying for your meal. The lesbians at Nobu. That's where, <laughs> that's where logic picks us up. What can he I just say, like, man? He just, He's like, and then next thing you know, I'm doing his podcast. He's doing hers. This is how he rolls. Yeah, it's pretty wild. This is, this is these are the patterns. Anytime, anytime I, anybody is at Nobu that I respect, I just pay for their shit. Like, send them a bottle. Yeah. You know, next Troy thing Aitman you know, came. I don't even friendship. No podcast guests. This is how he moves. This is not. This is come on. Yeah, this I, is how they roll. I really feel like a genuine connection is is shit. Like when I was younger, I'll never forget this. I never told him this, actually. I was at Hit Boy's house, man. Like, you know. Big. Yeah. I was at his crib. This was like at the height. I mean, he's still killing. He's doing incredible. He's one of the, the legendary producers. Him and Nas, everything he's been doing, insane. Mm -hmm. But this was like the Watch the Throne shit. Like, it wow. was a big moment. And I just signed a Def Jam. And I remember like being at his house. And he's like smoking hella weed. And I'm all like, can we open a window? Like shit. Like, oh you know? my like, God. He's like alive. It's wild. But he was so inviting and he was so nice. But I also remember there was a we part of me that was like, yeah, but let me get some beats. Like in my mind, like I kind of just like wanted beats. You know, it's like, I just signed. I'm, I'm in LA. I'm like, oh, kind of like, oh, let me get, let me get some beats. Mm -hmm. And as I've gotten older, I realized, man, like I used to be, I'd be in a studio with like Terrace Martin, shout out Terrace, different people, meeting them for the first time, feeling like I had to sell myself, you know, tell them my whole background and where mm -hmm. I came from and what I did and da 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 da. Cause it's like, okay, now you give me a beat and I'll put a rap on. And it's just like, bro, for me, I learned that is not how anything truly 
gets made that is, is great. Like transactional shit, that's bullshit. When you can vibe and really get to know somebody yeah, and, and what you care about most is your friendship and your relationship, mm -hmm. then all the art, that shit either comes or it doesn't. And it doesn't matter because you have a friend for life. It's real. Yeah. Whenever Logic hits me to ask me something, he's always super apologetic before he even asks the thing. <laughs> he's always like, look, you don't have to do this. This is not an obligation. Don't feel like, you know, no harm, no foul. I like that. But he I, says no harm, no foul like 10 times before <laughs> he says a thing. Yeah, but that's because. More often than not, I'm like, sure, man. Of yeah, course. I know, for sure. But that's the th I thing I think is. He's like, hit me with the interlude. I'm like, okay, brother. <laughs> no, what's really funny is you were like, okay, so like. You said, you said, you like sent me the the voice message. We're talking about how uh, Lena did a, a really cool um interlude on my album my final Def Jam album Vinyl Days but shout out to Def Jam where my label is Hillman sure. Grant Records Jalen Josie Southern Delicacy download mm. anywhere you download music mm. look at that plug look at you you like a professional or something this is wow <laughs> um, but yeah like and I remember asking you like oh you know you don't, don't feel obligated like you just said because uh, that shit is so important to me it's like 99 I do it too I'm like that too I'm like hey no pressure yeah but you mean it and I mean it I think, I think that's a, I think it's really special when you can just genuinely vibe with somebody. See how I worked that in? No pressure. <laughs> oh, yo, that went over my head. Mm -hmm. You ever rap? No. Never? No. Not one time? No. Go ahead, bust a rap. Absolutely not. Okay, it's not happening? Mm-mm. All right. I bet you, I bet you could rap though. No. I mean, I like rap a lot. That's why I don't disrespect the art form. What's a, what's a rap song that you know? Like the back of your hand. Um, I know the Lisa Left Eye mm. Lopez verse from Donnell Jones. Um, um, girl, you know what's up? Uh, I know that one pretty well. I know like a chunk of it pretty well. I feel like I never really, uh, when I was a kid, digested lyrics. I don't know what it was. Like I'd, I'd listen to so many songs, mm -hmm. all different genres, but it wasn't until I was older that that those lyrics really uh, resonated f for me. Who is an artist that you think um, touched you, you know, in, in your soul at a time you might have needed it most? Wow. Musically? Yeah. Well, Whitney mm. is one that I will always feel is just a special soul spirit beyond the voice to me, I think. I think the voice is just, you know, a part of, you know, who she was and uh, and she was more than a voice. That's that's sort of the thing. Yeah. Um, but the voice is really special. So, yeah, that for sure. Like her voice is like so magical. You know, any good jokes? <laughs> any good jokes? Like just... You know, like those classic jokes you mean? Yeah, like like, the, like, like just like those. like dad jokes. Like I got it. Like like yeah, those is like I like I don't have a lot of those chambered. But some people, I'm, I'm always in awe of those that do. Yeah, it's crazy. Last week I got a haircut, and then I cut the rest of them off. Terrible there joke. You go. It's a terrible. There you go. <laughs> How about Look, this? Man, ask me, you ask really me to give are you a dad. dad. Joke. You're the dad. Can you please give me another dad joke? Will you give it back? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, welcome to my motherfucking podcast where we just shoot the shit. Such a dad. 
It is. I know that is some dad shit. I got the dad bod now. I used to. I came a couple years ago. I was all shredded. Motherfuckers thought I was on steroids. I was like, nah, that's just a dumbbell sandwich. And half my ancestors building this motherfucking country, baby. Oh my god! I was like, this is just me. Half, right? Yeah. And then, and then, <laughs> but honestly, for me, it was also it like started like when I got really swole in 2018. It started mm-hmm. all about just health. But then because I am in the spotlight, it kind of quickly turned into vanity. It kind of began mm. like came became like a brand and like a Bobby Biceps and like all this other shit. And then I found that I was working out and so intensely that I was like kind of hurting myself and mm. um I was doing it all for the wrong reasons. And oh, damn. since then I've I've I'm not on social media at oh, all. You, oh, that's right, that's right. Yeah. So I, you know, my management, they they really helped me run everything. Like all the posts and stuff that you see from me, it is me. Like, yeah. you know, I'll send I'll a, say you on Instagram? Yeah, I'll send a picture and then I'll be like, make the make this the caption. Or if they if they, you know, sometimes I'll I'll jump in, I'll say, Hey, can I see your phone? And I'll yeah. go into the comments and re- respond to, you know, my Yeah, no, my fans. I have someone who like definitely I mean, because the social media is a full time job. And so um my guy, Marquise. Pfeiffer, he, he's he's the one really navigating it, and mm. and um and also I'll, I'll I'll get in the stories. I'll try to help with that, but I uh, yeah I mostly try to connect with people and find folks, but it's quickly changing too. Well, um, before we get out of here, yeah, what would you say as a uh, both personally and professionally is on the horizon for you that that you're excited about? attaining both personally and professionally? Uh, professionally, you just want to continue to make really cool stuff, interesting work mm. uh, that lasts. That's really the biggest criteria. Um, although I can't force that. I just have to hope for it. Mm. Uh, and then personally, just I think more more evolution, more growing. Uh, that's really all I can ask for. And just more peace, more peace of mind. Let me just say... Uh, I really appreciate having you in my life. Like I really do. You I know, the same way. and like, you know, there, there's some days where I might feel a little down and I know that I can call you and you're there for me and you, you really are like, and I know so many people hit you up. So many people hit me up. And when you really take the time, especially when somebody needs it, you make a big difference and, and you've made a, a huge difference in my life just in these last few years that we've known each other. And I want to thank you for setting an example, um, a strong example as a creative, as an artist, as a human being. And um, thank you for your art. And I love you. We love you. Everybody I, loves you. I love you too, man. There it is. That's the that's the podcast. Anything you want to say before we go? Um, I appreciate your time. Appreciate your love. Appreciate your support. Just sending love to everybody. Swag. All right, y'all. Stay black. Hey, what's up, guys? Thank you so much for joining us on this episode of Logically Speaking. Please make sure you click the link and check out more things. Don't forget to subscribe. All those things, things like that. Don't forget. Peace.